0: Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to Tri-Cities Church. You may be seated. Hey, I love the fact that we sang that song. It fits perfect with what we're talking about today uh, in our message. We're talking about diversity in the church, and um, the reason diversity should exist is because we're adopted by a Father in Heaven, right? And He's adopted people from every nation under Heaven. And if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, hey, we got to look diverse. we got to be diverse um, because we are family. So I love that song. Hey, well, welcome to Tri Cities Church. Before we get into our message, hey, I just want to say welcome. This is your first time with us. We welcome you here. Um, we're just a church, and we're, we're you came at a perfect time. This is your first time here. Um, that we're exploring our values, a, a new church that's getting all on the same page, learning about who God has called us to be as a church. And so we've been in the middle of this series, six weeks, where we look at what what it what it looks like to be a part of six six. I did number six weeks. Um, We're looking at what it means to be a part of Tri-Cities Church and what it looks like to partner with us as we explore our values. And then, like I said, not next week, but the following week, I believe, we're going to look at kind of what we believe and some of the central belief statements of Tri-Cities Church. Um, and, and, that'll be an exciting time because we never really looked at some of those kind of core essential beliefs. They, they, they kind of filter into every message, but we never really looked specifically at them. So we're going to do that for, for two weeks as well. Also, um, and, and, I wanted to say next week, maybe we'll have a slide for this as well, but if you want to write it down, uh, this is one of the things we, we like to, to, to be, uh, in community with one another as a church and have this kind of open door for communication about different things, whether it's about scripture, whether it's about life, whether it's just about questions. Um, and so, uh, I don't know if, if, if you all, if a lot of you have my email address, but Wesley at uh, try-citieschurch.com. Hey, if you ever, like, just, or you're running up against a question in the scriptures, or, or having a conversation with a, a coworker, worker or somebody, uh, you know, um, um, Jehovah's Witness at your door or something, and you're like, hey, why do I believe, like, I know that I believe, but why, why do, like, what scriptures back that up, or just any kind of question that comes either out of this series, or just out of life, feel free to shoot me an email, and we can uh, I can respond, or we can sit down and talk about it. Uh, but feel free to do that because I think it's important for us as a church to know one who God has called us to be as a church, right? As a local community of believers. But then, two, what God has called us uh, to be and to do as believers in Him, and how we can know the faith that has captured our lives. And so, um, so feel free to do that. So we're gonna. Uh, just go ahead and jump into our message this morning because we have a lot of ground to cover We have these fill-in-the-blank handouts and I always got to get all the way to the end I, every other week um, Y'all never know whether I get through my whole message or not um, Because you don't have these fill-in-the-blank outlines uh, But because of these fill-in-the-blank outlines, I can't skip things and I can't like uh, I can't leave things out. So I kind of have to get through the message So as we're in this series, I, I want to be able to get through it this morning So let's pray and then we'll uh, get into our message this morning God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity, this space um, and your grace to gather here and to worship you. God, we thank you that you've called us to be your own, that you're a good, good father, that you've rescued us from a life that leads to death. You've adopted us into your family, and you've lavished upon us all the gifts of being sons and daughters of God. And so, God, we thank you for that. And as we uh as we reflect on all that, that means. Um, both theologically and in and in our lived reality as we reflect on all of that means god i thank you that your embrace makes us feel like children of god that just as children uh, have to trust their mothers and fathers god we uh, sit and we have to trust in a god who's promise that he's good And so as we open the scriptures this morning, and as we learn about um, diversity and what it means to be a diverse body with one Father in heaven, a good God who's our Father in heaven, God, I pray that you help us to understand how you delight in diversity in your church, and you delight when people that don't look alike sit beside one another and worship the one God and trust our one Father in heaven. in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, well, I uh, I just want to open by telling you uh, three stories about how um, that I've experienced about how uh, segregation uh, leads to misinformation. Uh, I I remember my first, um, my first um, heated debate, if you will, uh, about race uh, when I was probably in the third grade. Um, and I was, I don't remember all the details, of course, that was a, a while back, but I was in the gym in elementary school, I was in the gym, and I don't even know how the conversation came up, but there was this kid there that I was playing with, and we were friends, we were classmates, and I said something about my Cub Scout troop, I don't know exactly what I said, but I said something about my Cub Scout troop, and I was probably telling him something that we did that was a lot of fun, and, and I'll never forget this moment, it was one of those moments that has always kind of stuck with me, and he looked me straight in the eye, and he said, "You're not a Cub Scout. Black people can't be Cub Scouts." <laughs> now I imagine, in retrospect, I imagine, in retrospect, this this little boy was going, "Hey," um, and this is this is the reasoning that even a lot of us carry into adults. I've never seen it, therefore, it does not exist. His troop probably was all white, and he had never seen a, white, a black uh, Cub Scout. And so two plus two, right? You know, never seen one non-troop. That must mean I got black classmates, but not black uh, people in my Cub Scout troop. So must not. And segregation in that situation led to a little bit of misinformation. And we went back and forth. I remember going, yes, I am. Like arguing it like I had a point to prove. And we never really got to this. Like he was never like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure you are. And I never really got to that point, um, but that was the, the first time that, that I remember when uh, segregation has led to misinformation in my life. Another time, and there's been a couple others, but another time was when I was in high school, and I grew up in College Park, and um, and uh, not like right up the street from here, actually. Uh, um, well, y'all know where College Park is, but I grew up in College Park. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, but I went to school in Sandy Springs. They had a program, M to M, minority to majority, right? They basically, when people ask me what that means, I say, Hey, they put a bunch of black people on a bus from the South side and they <laughs> took us up to Sandy Springs and dropped us off. Uh, it was not the best scenario. I think they actually still have that program going. Uh, it's just odd to me. I think they still have that to some degree, but it was always odd because there was always traffic. Y'all know what 285 is like, especially when you get up towards Vionings and Cumberland Mall. And so the black people were always coming in class late. But it is, I was like, it's the bus, like it's the bus. <laughs> we, we couldn't control it, you know? I, I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning, like I'm like, I was up before all of you ever got up. Like y'all were enjoying sweet sleep and I was up waiting at the bus in Nicole, right? At 5.30, not sun hadn't come up or anything. Um, and then, so I remember talking to a classmate of mine and, uh, and he asked where I was from. And I said, I'm from College Park. And he says, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> and he goes, you don't, you don't talk like you're from College Park. Uh, and this was when like, uh, y'all remember Ebonics became a thing in the nineties, right? And this is Ebonics that become a thing. And, uh, his, his thing was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't speak Ebonics. And there, there again, we have this scenario where segregation kind of led to misinformation and he believed that, yeah, College Park, black Ebonics. No, not from College Park. Um, and then when I was in college, I was a student right next door here at uh, Point University. And uh, we I was a, a biblical studies major and I had to have a preaching internship because that was my minor. And um, and so I needed this preaching internship and I was I was looking for one and, and there was this church in East Point and this kind of door opened up for me, you know, the pastor there. I mean, the thing that he was looking for was uh, he had been in ministry 40 years and he was looking for someone to... Uh, to, to train in ministry, to, to raise up and to teach all that he had learned throughout the years. I heard about this opportunity, and I'm like, wow, like, I got to do an internship right here, right around the corner from my school. There's this church that they, they, the pastor's actually there, and I went and met with them, and everything was fantastic. And I grew up black church, right? I grew up in a, 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 an all-black church, uh, deeply rooted in the civil rights movement. Um, I, I remember one white person ever, like, visiting our church in my whole childhood. Uh, and uh, so I remember going to my pastor and I said, Hey, I, f- I had to do this preaching internship. I found this pastor and it like, he just seems really excited about me. I'm really excited about him. He's offering me this opportunity. He's been in ministry 40 years, yada, 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 yada. I got to do it to, to graduate. And and my pastor looks at me and he says, cause he knew what church this was. And he goes, well, are they, are they warm? And now I'm what? 20, maybe at the time, 1920. And I go, I, I didn't walk around feeling people, but um, <laughs> I, I, I was like, what, what, "What exactly do you mean? Are they warm?" And he goes, "Well, are they friendly?" And I said, "Well, it's, as far as I know, uh, uh, they are." And um, and it was it was an odd inter- 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 interchange there, but he kind of uh, kind of dismissed me, and um, and I went on to do an internship at, at this church. But there again, we have this segregation that leads to um, misinformation, because segregation is still a reality in our society. And so the question that I want to probe this morning is, uh, why is segregation still so common in our society? Why is segregation still so common in our society? And I think one of the things that we have to acknowledge, and, and one of the things that I'm not trying to do, let me just say this, I'm not trying to uh, I'm not going to provide a rationale or an understanding necessarily of some of the racial tension that exists uh, currently in our society. I'm not trying to to lay out a response to that this morning. Rather, I'm trying to probe into this idea of why is segregation. Uh, so common in our society, and what does God think of that? And what does He desire from His church? Is more so. What's our responsibility as far as being sons and daughters of God, who's a good, good Father? So, um, so that, that that's really what we're trying to get at. But, but I think the thing we have to recognize from the beginning of this kind of discussion is that it's our history, right? Our history of slavery, of Jim Crow laws, of immigration. That have led us to this point where uh, segregation is a reality in our society. That it's rooted in this history of of slavery which was a, a evil, violent system that took what laws that were intended to be applied to property and applied them to individuals and made people where they could be, uh, where they could be bought, sold, And owned, and ultimately, it segregated people, put them in two totally different classes. It formed a society that was um, uh, um, categorically unequal, um, and where one was in power and the other was uh, powerless. Then, after slavery, with the abolishment of of slavery, we see, especially in the South, these Jim Crow laws um, that came into existence which really were just legally uh, mandated segregation and so this is uh, i remember uh, going to uh, to as a child going to and i like to say hey this wasn't that long ago going as a child to to mobile alabama where my father is from and i remember him showing me the back door where he had to go to to get his burger right because of jim crow laws and the society that was unequal and th- this this um fight this Fight for civil rights that took place in our society uh, post slavery, uh, and is still to some degree—no, well, is still taking place um, today. Um, and so that's part of our history, right? And then also immigration. And what we see with immigration is that there's people that come from uh, different cultures, different backgrounds, different traditions that are calling America home. Right, and they're coming here, it doesn't matter how they come here, but they're calling America home. And what's happening is America's becoming a multicultural place that's filled with people from different cultures who were at one time segregated from one another. And what we see always in history is that when people groups uh, develop in isolation from one another, they form uh, uh, distinct, identifiable cultural patterns. So as in slavery, uh, with uh, uh, inequality people groups were allowed to form in segregation from one another, right? And so you had one culture and you had another. You had white and you had black on American soil. Those people groups formed in isolation from one another. They developed uh, distinct cultural patterns, right? As with uh, immigration, two uh, groups you have, uh, you know, whether it's Asian or Hispanic, people that were one time rooted in one culture, all now converging here in America. It becomes a multicultural culture. multicultural uh, nation, um, but but there are people groups that were formed in different places in isolation from one another. Therefore, they define, uh, um, uh formed identifiable cultural patterns. And when we arrive here, right, we could be multicultural, but not be diverse. Like we could be multicultural and not be united. And so what we see here in America is we have all these different cultures, not just one pattern uh, of living, not just one cultural pattern that exists, but we have multiple ones um, that have uh, found home here in, in America, and this is seen in all different kinds of things in our music, right? I I can um, I I I enjoy some uh, some some Darius Rucker if you know who he is, black country singer, right? Darius Rucker, I, I can listen to some Darius Rucker all day long, um, but he's a minority, right? In country music, there's not many black guys singing country music. It just doesn't happen, right? Because these um, distinct cultural patterns. There are things that came to identify one culture and and even one race more than it does another. And that doesn't mean there's not crossover. It doesn't mean there's not blending. It doesn't mean that a black guy, as Darius Rucker shows us, can't do country music. It just means he's not he's not dominant in that genre, right? I, or Eminem. Eminem has sold as a rapper has sold millions of albums. He's probably one of the top hip hop artists uh, in our in our nation, right? Or or at least was at one time. I'm not sure where he is now, but um, but at the same time, he's a minority within. Within hip hop the same way you can go and drive around our community and you can go to happy Buddha you can go to La Fiesta or you can go to this is it uh, over on Camp Creek you can go to barbecue kitchen and you can get four different kind of culinary styles that arose out of cultural differences within uh, different races and so what we see is when these cultures form in isolation from one another not only do they uh, begin to develop uh, um, they when cultures form in isolation from one another they form these distinct cultural patterns that inform the way they live their life and the way they do things. This is even seen in the church. And I think we got two videos of, um, of preaching. Uh, one is Andy Stanley. Let's look at this. Uh, I think we got it. I think we're, uh, we're making sure we get sound back there. Um, so one is Andy Stanley. Another one is H.B. Uh, Charles Jr. Here we go. And then we have another. uh, There you go. I don't know how many of y'all noticed that guy back there behind me. He was like, I guess I better stand. (laughs) Classic. I love that video. Um, but what we see there is that is two different styles of preaching that when cultures develop, uh, people group develop in isolation from one another, they develop different ways of doing things. And so here in America, we have this multicultural society. But in a multicultural society, here's what happens. We instinctively use race as a cultural marker, right? We instinctively use race Basically what we can see, our skin color, as a cultural marker. So when we say, uh, when we see black people, right, we might say, oh, that's the kind of church black people like and enjoy. And when we see white people, we think, hey, that's the kind of church White people like and enjoy, and, and this is what happens, um, because uh, stereotyping sometimes gets a bad rap in our society, but stereotyping is actually an automatic function of the human brain that is necessary to make our world more manageable, right? There's a reason why when you go out, it, it, this would be nice, especially for some of you artistic types, right? If every stop sign looked different, right? And if every stop sign was a different color, and maybe you had stars and circles, and um all kinds of different things but But our brains wouldn't be able to handle that. There's a reason why there has to be uniformity in some things in our society, because our brain can only handle so many different functions that it must put things in categories. And so when it sees a red octagon, I think that's what a stop sign is, when it sees a red octagon, it goes, stop, whether you can read or not, because that's a category that our brain has formed. Now, what the brain automatically does is it looks at individuals and it puts them in categories based upon. Their race, right? And so it looks at black people, and it will assume certain things about black people. They'll do certain things. They'll respond certain ways, and, and that's the automatic function of the brain. Um, and, and it does that with with each and every um, every race that has. And races are basically defined on kind of identifiable visual uh, differences. And so when we see different people, and and I don't want to just make this into limited categories because we actually have many more races, very inadequate. In fact, there's a lot of stuff out there. You can just Google uh, inadequacies of race, right? And you'll get all kinds of articles about how race is inadequate as as, um, as a cultural marker. But what we do, because our brain needs to simplify this crazy, busy world, is it automatically moves towards stereotyping. Now, stereotyping becomes bad, and it becomes negative, and it becomes harmful when our stereotypes are faulty, inflexible, and when they uh, uh uh determine the way we treat or even mistreat people it equally it, it easily becomes prejudice and it easily becomes a mistreatment of somebody based upon their appearance but what we see in our society and what we see even through science is that the brain is automatically forming these categories that are based on race as to how a person uh, will respond culturally and what we know is that no one fits uh, exactly within those different categories and so this is what the boy was doing to me right he said black all the black people i know from south side they speak this way so boom this category but as he came to find out and learn that not everybody fits within that specific category now what happens because of these categories? Um, what's known as racial boundary crossing, um, becomes uncomfortable. It becomes uncomfortable because there's not just, like I listed music, uh, food and church, but there's many more cultural patterns that are often difficult to put our hands on that are not as easily identifiable. And so like there's this book that's called, I think it's called, why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? Um, (laughs) And really what it's getting at is the way we naturally gravitate to people that look like us because our brain has formed these stereotypes, right? And here's what happens. We know that we'll be most comfortable typically with people that look like us. And so we naturally gravitate in that way, and it makes racial boundary crossing difficult. So it's difficult for um, um, you know for for uh, say a black person to go, and, and or more uncomfortable for a black person to go and hang out with a group of white people, and white people vice versa. And so this is what we see, and so this is part of the reason why segregation has remained so common is because it has led to misinformation, and because we misunderstand each other, don't know each other, and we have these different cultural patterns and ways of doing things. Most of us when Uh, um, um, when when faced with two options, a setting that I'm most comfortable in, right, and a setting that puts me in a little unease, we'll choose the one we're most comfortable in. Now, the sad part, and this isn't part of my message, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but the sad part um, is, is that in the 70s, 80s, 90s, still today, Uh, Even um, This has become a strategy used by churches in order to grow quickly. Put people in a room full of people that they're most comfortable with, where they identify totally with the music and the style of worship, and they'll feel comfortable there. They'll be more consistent there. They will grow quicker there. um, But those churches are missing out on an extremely important part of what it means to be Followers of Jesus Christ, it means that now we are united in him, and so we can 't use that as a strategy to grow our church we can 't put uh, um, we can 't put growth over faithfulness in that regard and so what we see is in the church, people who were once segregated integrate that people who were once segregated integrate. And we've seen this from the beginning. In fact, since the beginning, the church has been a social anomaly. That means it's been different than the culture around it. It's been a social anomaly where culturally different people unite, right? And that's what the church has been from the very beginning, that it looked different than the world around it. In fact, I think it's Acts 15, the first time we see multicultural churches beginning to flourish, right? That's the first time that followers of Jesus Christ are called Christians because it's so clear that they're different than the society around them. It's so clear that what God is doing is different than the world around them. And it's primarily because there's a diverse community of people who are gathering together, and that was foreign to an ancient society. And in fact, it's somewhat foreign uh, in our society still today. But what we see in the first century, you had these Jews and you had these Gentiles. You'll read those names in the scriptures over and over again. Jews and Gentiles, and Jews were basically the people that God was forming uh, from from the book of Genesis all the way even to Revelation. It was this people that God was forming. And sometimes, um, at least they got uh, the misconception that they were God, Favorite, right? God loves us. God has chosen to uh, be gracious towards us. He's chosen us as His prize and joy, we are His His people. But what they didn't know, and this is always the case, right? Um, if you ever, if you ever, um, if you ever think you're the apple of God's eye, remember the Jews, right? Because God was just using them to bring about His purpose, right? God wasn't lifting them up and saying, "Y'all are so special. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna reveal myself to you." God was like, "I got a plan in this world, and I'm not gonna let no matter how uh, flawed and failed you are, right? I'm not gonna let you stand." in the way of that so God stuck with the Jews because in and through them he was forming a people through which would come the savior of the world Jesus Christ and we see this taking place in the scriptures. But what God was about was never Jews alone. But God was about Jews and Gentiles, people who did not believe in the one true God, people who um, had formed a totally different culture than these Jews. God wanted to save them too. And so, in Jesus Christ, He brought salvation to both groups. In fact, look at Ephesians uh, chapter two. There's this um, this magnificent verse about what God uh, has chosen to done, do through Jews and Gentiles, people who were believers in the one true God and had done so for, for hundreds of years, and people that were just beginning to believe in God through Jesus Christ. Listen to this verse, for he himself is our peace, right? So where there were at tension, right? He brought peace, and they're talking about he, Jesus, himself is our peace, who has made two groups by which he put to death their hostility. So here we have these two groups that were hostile to one another, to having nothing to do with each other, had hundreds of years of segregation and didn't know anything about one another. It, it, to be together was extraordinarily uncomfortable for them. But what God did through Jesus Christ was made peace between these two groups so that in and through the church, they might be together, they might be a social, social anomaly that looked different than the world around them it says in verse 17 he came and preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who were near for through him we have both have access to the father by one spirit right so we have access to the same not different fathers right it, um, there's a oh man this is a sidetrack but I'm going there. There is a church over here in, um, not far from here, um, and uh, it, it says something like uh, there's a little marquee out front says something like I took a test uh, a DNA test and guess what God is your father right or something like that. It's classic it is classic it's right over um I don't remember what street that is Con- Conley Conley yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I took a t- I took a DNS test and guess what God is my father or something like that. Maury Povich, um, kind of in the working. Um, But God is our... Father, listen to what it says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, right? To be excluded from what God is doing or strangers having no knowledge of what God is doing, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So he's the only one that's holding this whole thing together is what it's saying. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you who were being built, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And it's saying you, right? Both Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles that what God was doing was ultimately to unite people in the church. We see this in the first century. We see this today. And so what we do see there, and this is where sometimes this gets um, a little bit misconstrued, right? Um, that he says that he's forming one new humanity. That that's what God was doing. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. What God was not doing is that God was not, teaching us that following Jesus was about abandoning our our color our race or our culture but that following Jesus was about declaring that Jesus is lord of that too right and so that my allegiance is not to um to being black right above my allegiance to Christ right or that your allegiance is not to being white or asian or hispanic or any of those things above our allegiance to Christ but rather in and through Jesus, God has um, proven uh, that he is Lord over that too, right? And so this is what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. It means to abandon some cultural ways that we may feel comfortable and that are totally even accepted in our society in favor of faithfulness to Jesus Christ. So it means um, that we always have to be cognizant and aware of what it looks like to identify with a particular race and ask, how is Jesus redeeming that? How is Jesus wanting to use that? And so what we are not saying is that tri Church or any church uh, or that God condones this erasing of race and that God does not see color anymore. What we do say is that God sees a full spectrum of color, right? A world that's filled with different people from different races. God created it, desired it to be that way. He gets glory in that when people from different races, different colors, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different cultures say, hey, God is Lord of this too. Right. And because of that, and because he's our good father, hey, we're going to join together and be one whole, one whole church. One whole church. You see, at Tri-Cities Church, we strive to embrace and celebrate diversity. Right. We strive to embrace and celebrate diversity because it's one of our values, because it's biblical, because God delights in that. Because God is glorified through that. In fact, we have our uh, statement of diversity. I think it's printed on your sheet. It says diversity is not just a concept we value, but it's what we are. It's reflected in our leadership at our weekly gatherings, in our expressions of worship, and in our community. At Tri-Cities Church, we believe that God is honored when we embrace and celebrate diversity found in our community. So this means that uh, there's a reason why Tri-Cities Church has two pastors, one who's white, one who's black, right? There's a reason why when you look at this stage, you see diverse people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different races, There's a reason for that, and it just didn't happen to be that way, right? All that's intentional, because at the very beginning, when we were saying, what kind of church does God want to form here? We've prayed about it. We talked about it. We thought about it, right? And remember what we said the first week, that these values of Tri-Cities Church, they're God-given, non-negotiable, right? And so we live and die on that, right? Tri-Cities Church, that's the vision that God has given us. That's what we're going to fight for until the day that we die. And so we're going to work at it. And so when it comes to leadership decisions, leadership questions, when it comes to forming teams at Tri-Cities Church, we're going to be intentional about that. Because there, if there's one thing that our society has taught us, um, and Atlanta is a perfect example of this, because Atlanta is still the most uh, segregated city in the South. Um, and if Atlanta has taught us anything, is that integration does not just happen. It must be intentional. And so at Tri-Cities Church, we're intentional about that. And so our question is always, how does diversity affect this? Like, how does our value for diversity affect, you know, fill in the blank, as a part of Tri-Cities Church, as a partner with Tri-Cities Church, as, as a functioning um, um, uh, part of Tri-Cities Church? That's the question we want you to be asking. Not just about diversity, but all our values, but how does diversity affect You name it, right? How does our diversity affect our decision to do this, that, or the other, right? Because that's the question that we're always going to be asking as a church. There's this verse in John chapter 17 that um, I want you guys to see because this verse um, is really the one that's changed um, my life and my perspective on the diverse church. Um, because in john chapter 17 and this is back we were there last week a different earlier in that same chapter um but this is jesus prayer with his disciples um, just before he goes to the cross and as he's praying with his disciples he's kind of leaving them with some parting advice and guidance um listen to what he what he says in john chapter 17 um where am i where am I verse 20 uh he says my prayer is not for them alone I pray also for those who will believe. That's us. So he's praying for, he prayed for his disciples, but he's saying, I'm not just praying for them alone, like my 12 disciples, 12 guys that I've mentored and groomed in the ministry. Not just praying for them alone. I'm praying for all who will believe. Church, us. In me, through their message. Bible, their message. If you believe through the message, you. That all of them may be one, Father, he's praying to the Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Just as Jesus and God, the Father, Jesus, God in the flesh, God the Father, were one. Not two different gods. We don't serve multiple gods as one God. We'll get into that even in our week on what trustees church believes like what does that mean trinity god father father son holy spirit um but they're one god so just as we are one may they be one I in them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity, complete unity. Listen to the words there, that they may be one, that they may be one, that they may be brought to be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Notice he says in that, that passage twice, right? May they uh, be in us and where, uh, may, may they be in may they. Also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So when we're together, right, when we're united, when the church is visually diverse, that people who will see it Will begin to believe that God is doing something there, right? That the church becomes a witness to the power of God Himself. That the diverse church is the clearest sign of Jesus' lordship in this world, right? That when you're one, people are going to come to believe. So we can we can all day sit around and go like, how can we how can we strategize to get more people to accept Jesus Christ, right? What strategy can we come up with? What plan can we have to get more people to say Jesus is Lord, so that we can be better baptizing more people, having more people confess their sins before the Lord. Like we can, we can sit all day and we can strategize, but unless that strategy includes a diverse church, we're missing out on a huge element of what God desired for the church to be and do in this world, a witness to the power of God to take people who were at one point segregated and bring them together. People who still have, um, um, clear, uh, uh, cultural patterns that, that, maybe ought to separate them in another um, environment. But what we say, see is what God's power does is it unites us where we can worship together and become the beautiful mosaic of God himself. That God is weaving something magnificent and something beautiful, and we get to be a part of that. Even in the midst of the tension and the hardship that it calls us, in fact, we were part of this church in, in um, New Jersey. Um, and there was this uh, pastor, actually a guy from Marietta, that had moved up to New Jersey, had read the statistics about how uh, the church was dying there. And he moved to New Jersey with like 30 people, like friends of his that supported him, to start a church there. And yeah, he, was, he was white, and so the church kind of ended up being predominantly white church. Um, and, uh, and there was an Asian guy that had come from Virginia to start a church in New Jersey, he had done the exact same thing, read the statistics, there needs to be a church there, um, let's go start one, and so he, st- he went and started a church and brought some of his friends along and, um, connected with some people that were already there, and they started these two separate churches, right? And they had been going on for five or six years or so, uh, but they didn't even know each other, and then one day these two pastors, of these two different churches, they met each other, um. And they began reading the scriptures together. And they became convinced that it was God's will for the church to be diverse. And so what they did was that instead of being two separate churches, they united these two churches. One was Asian, mostly Asian. One was mostly uh, white. And we came in right as that was kind of taking place. And we got to see the beauty of that. And we were, um, i do not sure there were any other black people at that church. So it was like all Asian all, and, and white. And had some fantastic potlucks. I don't know if I ever told you about this. Uh <laughs> I, I, I like I like Chinese food, um, and it was like oh you could eat at these potlucks, fantastic potlucks. I mean nothing against green bean casseroles, um, but yeah, I'm just saying I like Asian food. Um, and he he brought these two these two churches. Um, together and, and the, the interesting thing with us being there kind of in the midst of that was uh, both sides kind of vented to, to us and so we had these white people coming on Sunday morning these crazy Asians I don't know what they're thinking, and then we have like um, 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 Asian person going these white people I don't know why they do this kind of stuff and it was just the craziest thing to be right there in the middle be neither one of the two dominant cultures in that that church and where they felt comfortable enough to, to vent to us and talk to us about these different things. And what we saw was it, God was doing something beautiful, magnificent there, but no one was comfortable there, right? No one was at ease there, right? Because what God does is he calls us to uncomfortable places so that we can grow. And this church was growing, and what God was doing through them together was so much more magnificent than what God was doing with them apart. Because God's will is that we be united in a diverse church, and it's the most powerful witness to God's strength, God's power, God's will in this world. So the question of what are our next steps as a church? What are our next steps um, for for us as as a church today? Um, I I think the first next step for us is to practice racial boundary crossing, right? To practice racial boundary crossing. This means do more than just uh, work with, worship with chat with people that look different than you right begin developing deeper relationships with people that don't look like you and that's challenging our, our pastor of that church in new, new jersey thomas wong one of the pastors because they were two guys co-pastors one of the pastors thomas wong um one of the things he said to us right before we left because we uh, talked to him and we said hey we're, we're moving to atlanta to be a part of this multicultural church plant and um And and so he has some advice for us. And one of the things he said is, if you don't have them in your house, you won't have them in your church. And what he was really teaching us was that the relationship had to go deeper than work with, worship with, chat with, right? That we had to have deeper, intentionally deeper relationships with people that don't look like us even though that makes us uncomfortable so hey here's the thing that you can do and he challenged us to do this it was fantastic actually he said hey pick someone that doesn't look like you and take them out to lunch right in that sunday and there was this asian couple that came up to us and they said hey y'all want to go out to lunch and we were like sure they took us to this chinese restaurant most fantastic experience i'm um, sitting there and and uh that you know um, um chinese people can go in chinese restaurants and they can order stuff that's not actually on the menu and you get like cuz like general soul chicken like they're like what is this this isn't chinese right um and so like they ordered all these different like uh kind of culturally specific dishes that that they grew up eating. And they explained to us the origin and the history and the background behind them and what their life was like in China and what it looked like to grow up there. And it was a wonderful experience for us. And so the challenge for you is, yeah, develop a relationship, practice racial boundary crossing, develop a relationship, a real relationship, a friendship, have someone that doesn't look like you over for dinner, right? Have them out for lunch, begin talking to them and go deeper than just, hey, how's your day? what's going on? That kind of stuff, right? Begin learning about their background, their experiences, their beliefs, their value system, their practices, the different things that make them unique. Because the reality is people aren't coming to America to wash themselves of their culture, right? And never is it going to be we're blacks and whites who kind of form different cultures here where we wash ourselves of our culture, right? Um, uh, but rather we want to value that so that we can see more clearly the power of God when he unites it, right? When he brings it together. So practice racial boundary cross. Second thing, um, and this is so important for us, is try to understand, not invalidate try to understand not invalidate all of us have that voice in the back of their head right i'm just owning up to it for all of us that when we hear somebody that believes something different than us we're automatically going they are wrong they're wrong they're wrong i'm going i'm gonna hear them out but they're wrong they're wrong they're wrong. That, <clears throat> of course that's not the way i am with you um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that, well, all of us have that voice, alright? So let's just own up to it all together. Yes, we all have that voice in the back of our head, and we don't seek to understand, right? We believe that our way is right, and especially in this political season, right? People have been shaped different political views on the basis of their background, their heritage, their race, their life experiences. And so particularly now, what we're doing is going, they are wrong, they are wrong, this is what's right, this is what's right. Now let me just say this. You might just be right, but you will never understand someone else if you're constantly trying to invalidate the way they feel and their experiences. There's a gift that God has given us, and it's a brain, right? And our brain allows us to understand people and to never stop being educated. It, it, it allows us to continue to learn from those we encounter who have experiences that are different from our own. There's so much for us to learn. And it's so difficult to show compassion, grace, forgiveness, if we're constantly going, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. It stands in the way of our faithfulness. And it's another obstacle for us to jump in something that's already so difficult which is being faithful to jesus right the third thing i want you to see is that you can study the scriptures study the scriptures on diversity and unity there's so many scriptures in the bible that are on diversity and unity and just a few of them are listed on your handout but i um i took some time out um a couple of years ago actually when we first moved to new jersey we moved during the summer and um and had some free time on our hands because neither one of us was working and we were poor and couldn't go anywhere and so i pretty much sat and read the bible uh we didn't have cable tv so it wasn't no tv it was just, we didn't have gas uh we were hoping jobs would pan out and they finally did um but we sat there and i studied a lot of these scriptures on diversity and race and what god was doing in this world um And I fell in love with the beautiful thing that God is doing through his church. Um, And I can't see it any other way than the way it is at Tri-Cities Church. Well, I can't see it another way. There's Hispanic people in our community. And that's part of the vision of Tri-Cities Church, is to reach the diversity that's in our community. And so when you see a Hispanic guy standing here in your near future, hopefully. I pray that you'll say that's the vision of Tri-Cities Church, and it's been the vision from the beginning, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to gather here in this place as a diverse people. God, we thank you that what you're doing isn't just for white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, but that every nation under the sun, right, every nation under heaven um, is is being spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, God, I pray that in a place like this, right, where we're not a monocultural society, that we are a multicultural society, God, I pray that we will see people uniting together not just in Tri-Cities Church, but in more and more churches, that we'll see people catching the vision of God and what you've chosen to do, not just what you're doing in the 21st century, but what you were doing in the 1st century. God, this is nothing new. And God, I pray that your church will be leaders in uniting people with you. So God, I just pray as we hold on to so many things, God, that we will learn to begin letting things go that stand in the way of us being together that we will surrender all to you because you are good, good Father. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.